Hello, Legends. Before we get into the episode, I just want to quickly tell you about a brand new show that I have just released. It's called Crime at Bedtime. And as the name suggests, it's been designed with those in mind who like to go to sleep at night listening to a fascinating true crime story. We'll release a brand new episode every single Monday, but right now there is a stack of episodes for you to binge straight away. So go check it out. It's called Crime at Bedtime. It's available wherever you get your podcasts from. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f? Are you talking about you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 upfront for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for a limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Okay. So I've just quickly clicked on the microphone here in the studio. I was just in here working on on the show and I got tagged in something on TikTok. Now, this does happen from time to time. Straight away thought I need to hit record on this because um, the profile on this TikTok page is a wanted poster. This is wanted by the FBI, the TikTok fugitive. In mid-2022, I set out to start my own true crime podcast called One Minute Remaining. It's a show where I speak with men and women who are incarcerated in the United States. This show allows these men and women to tell their stories and just how they ended up staring down the barrel of a life locked away inside a state facility. Part of having a show like this means that I get contacted on a regular basis about other stories people think need attention brought to them. One day while I was working in my office on the show, I got a notification via TikTok someone had tagged me in a video. A video of a man claiming to be wanted by the FBI and Interpol. All right, let's let's click on one of these videos. What do you got? <laughs> FBI fugitive found on Caribbean beach. Why am I wanted? For kidnapping. But I didn't do it. I wasn't even in the country at the time and multiple extraditions from multiple countries have failed. I'd spend the next few days and weeks going down a long rabbit hole of videos, news stories and articles about this man who had apparently kidnapped his son and taken him overseas. And the FBI and Interpol were after him. Well, it's a custody battle that didn't go too well. A 25-year-old who's still in the missing person database is trying his best to clear his name and his father's name. I had to order two police officers to physically remove my mother and put me on a plane back to my dad. And that's where the whole kidnapping thing began. As fascinating as the story was... I certainly had my reservations about what exactly I could be getting myself into. Okay, so I just got um, a message saying that I need to download a um, specific app to talk to this guy. Hold on. I don't know if I should say what the app is. I don't know. What am I doing? <laughs> just Should I be doing this? This seems... Like it might be a bit much. Am I going to get my phones tapped? Eventually, word came through 
but he was ready to chat. Okay, so it's very early in the morning. Just got word that um, it seems we are go for a chat this morning. It is very early in the morning. Um, this will be interesting. <laughs> no going back now. Maybe I should have got myself a VPN before I did this. Um, where do you want to start? I mean, kind of get me going from some point. Well, I mean, I, I want to start at the beginning. Okay. My name's Jack Lawrence. Welcome to Wanted. I'm a wanderer of the soul. Before the end, I plan to be whole. But I know I'll lose myself along the way. What's gone is gone. What's past is past. Let me leave what belongs in the past. Now, when you think of the FBI's most wanted list, you think of hardened criminals, drug lords like Pablo Escobar. At the height of his cartel business, Colombian drug lord Pablo Escobar was smuggling a reported 15 tonnes of cocaine a day into the United States. Serial killers like Ted Bundy. Theodore Robert Bundy, you are charged, indictment, two counts burglary, two counts murder in the first degree, three counts attempted murder in the first degree. My chance to talk to the press. I'll plead not guilty right now. And, of course, the world's most wanted terrorist, Osama bin Laden. Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world that the United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden, the leader of Al-Qaeda. When I think of the FBI and Interpol's most wanted list, I certainly don't think of a 48-year-old former high-level Microsoft employee. But the thing is, you never know. In my case, you never know. It could be the FBI. They saw me on TikTok. They want to fuck with me. Because mm. the shit they've done to me, I mean, the shit they bribed a police officer in Bulgaria after my extradition was denied. I mean, the shit they've done to me, I wouldn't put it past them. The story of Chad Hauer is one that sounds like it's been ripped straight off the pages of a Hollywood script. International travel... Bulgarian prisons, kidnap attempts, the FBI, and Interpol. But this isn't a movie. This is a real-life nightmare for a man who's on borrowed time. My medical condition, I get worn out about... I get worn out a little bit. I just but took... that's right. So what we can do as well is, like, we don't have to do this all in one city. To understand either. how Chad got to be a wanted man, we first need to start at the very beginning. Our school had one computer, and only I was put into the gifted program. The office didn't have a computer. Nobody had a computer, but they had one program for the gifted program, one computer. And I got in front of it in 1980, and I loved it. And it was just hello world. And between Chad grew up in a college town in Pennsylvania, and with a mother and father who both attended the local university, it meant that Chad had access to an impressive library. But unlike most 10-year-olds, Chad wasn't hunting down the latest fiction novels or comic books. No. Chad was fixated on the language of computers. And they had the biggest library for 120 miles. It was huge. It's like seven floors. Yeah. And so from age 10, I started reading computer science textbooks. 
And then so what happened is um, there was a college student that lived across the street from me. He actually graduated and he kind of took me in and mentored me. I mean, he, he's really the, the key to all this. And he didn't he didn't give a crap that I was 10. And he just I used to sit all summer long. I'd go over to his house and just sit and watch him program. And he taught me everything. And I got to know the students. And they typically were computer science students, too. Not always, but some of them were. And they started learning that I knew more than they did. And these were college students. So they would be like, well, you know, can you help me with my project? And I'm like, sure. So they'd give me their mainframe passwords. And so I was on the college mainframe. That's how I got in the college mainframe in 1986. I was 12. Chad starts quickly making a name for himself around campus, starting to make a little extra money to help students with their coursework. With access to the university's inner workings, he's continuing to build his knowledge of computers. Until one day, the state of Pennsylvania decides to make this university handicapped accessible which gave Chad a very unique opportunity to now get inside the classroom. My mom was blind, and so I knew how to work with blind people too, really, really well. The state of Pennsylvania, the federal government, I don't know who did it, but they decided that this university, which was a big university, it's still there, they decided this one university was going to become handicap accessible. So they put in wheelchair ramps, electric doors, everything everywhere. And all of a sudden, now the town is flooded with paraplegics and wheelchair users and Every kind of handicap you can think of. That meant a lot of blind people came too. And since my mom was blind, I knew how to deal with blind people. She had blind friends I was already doing work for because the state back then, they needed somebody to read the books to them. There wasn't the internet now. So they had the textbooks, but they couldn't read them and they weren't available in Braille. So they needed somebody to read them to them. And the state didn't care how old you were. They didn't care about social security or taxes back then. So I just sent them my name. And then the students would sign off on how many hours I read their books and the state would send me a check. So I would sit in on these students' classes and I would take their notes and I would take their tests. So they would sit in in the class and when there's a test, they would tell me what to write. <laughs> so we would sit in the back and I would, the teacher would the test and I would read the test to the student and they would give me the answer and I'd write out their test. And the professors got used to me as well. So I just started sitting in on any class I wanted, chemistry, comp sci, whatever interested me, I just started sitting in on and nobody asked me any questions because they just thought I was there helping the blind student. And they're like, they didn't seem to notice they didn't have any blind students <laughs> in the class, but they didn't seem to care, right? It's fair to say Chad certainly grew up different to other kids his age. And it was in fact only a couple of years ago that he got a diagnosis, which he says explains a lot. I don't know. For me, it's just normal. That's how I grew up. And, you know, the college was my playground. And I just, plus I'm autistic, which I didn't know until um, last year. You didn't know until last year? 2022 or 2022, I forget, but it's it's in the last year or so I, I learned I was autistic. I didn't know. And so that explains a lot of my life. But I just thought it was normal. School was always just embarrassingly easy for me. I mean, I used to sleep through them all in my classes because I was staying up night at programming. Yeah. I would stay up all night programming. And then I'd go to school, I'd sleep through my classes. And the teachers would joke because they'd like, they'd wake me up and they'd ask me a question. And I still knew the damn answer because, you know, it was just so jokingly easy for me. He'd spend more and more time out of the house trying to further his education. And one day, found himself uprooting his entire life at just 17 to move away from the family home. I was living on my own at 17. I went to this good school until like three months before I graduated. And then my parents had been fighting and they finally, I'm not going to get into this, but they finally split for good. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up living 300 miles away from where I grew up on my own at 17, still trying to finish high school, working at night with two other dudes that are in their 20s. Just quickly, Um, were your parents okay with you being that far away and living with, you know, 20-year-olds? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. In high school, I moved in my grandmother anyway. So I moved out of my parents' house when I was 13. I moved to my grandmother anyways. Okay. Even when I was living with my parents, they bought this Airstream trailer and I moved into it. It was in the driveway. So I was living in an Airstream trailer outside anyways, even when I was a young teenager. Yeah, right. Okay. So you were just, yeah, it seems I, like you were just looking for, for any way to sort of escape that household and just, you know, do your own thing. My dad is an intellectual. I traveled a lot with him, but when he, when he lost his shit, he lost his shit. Yeah, right. In a very violent way. So, yeah. So even prior to becoming a wanted man, Chad's life was already a little different. Accomplishing many things early in life, Chad would also become a married man at a young age. Long story short, I... There was this girl I knew from school who was a friend of mine who liked me, but I only wanted to be friends with. But she ended up going to a technical school who was friends with this other girl. And I met up with her and I was after her. And that didn't work out because she had a boyfriend. But they had this other girl who hung around around their group. And that was Vecna, who I ended up getting married to. Yeah, I call her Vecna. Her real name is Nancy, but I call her Vecna from Stranger Things. Have you seen Stranger Things? Uh, I have seen Stranger Things. Absolutely. Okay, so you know Vecna. Anyways, I call her Vecna. Okay. So throughout this story, you will hear the names Nancy and Vecna. Just so you know, they are the same person. So Chad and Nancy started dating and were very soon married at just 19. It would appear, though, from the beginning, there may have been some warning signs that the marriage was not all that harmonious. When Chad's new wife, Nancy, announces that she doesn't in fact wish to go on the honeymoon that Chad has booked, so instead... So I went with my best man. I'm not joking. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, we didn't have much money at the time because we were, so I'd bought this trip to the Bahamas. I'm like, well, let's go. She's like, I don't want to go to the Bahamas. She's like, take your best man if you want. I'm like, okay. So we did. So (laughs) I went to Florida and went to the Bahamas and went to Disney World. (laughs) I should have known back then something was wrong. Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds like it started at a very rocky stage. (laughs) If if your wife doesn't want to come on a honeymoon, she sends you with your best friend. This is... This isn't a good start. Vecna and I, we were friends. We hiked together. We got along. Okay? Yeah. We didn't hate each other. It was, it was a platonic relationship. I think she just wanted kids. And I was in my stage of life. Like I wasn't doing well with women. I was like, well, I got this one. And so we got married early. And that's kind of what it was. And it was platonic. And she just wanted a kid, basically, is what it had turned out to be. Chad, still working two jobs, had also written a couple of pieces of software that got him some attention. And eventually, he starts seeing ads from large companies looking for computer experts and decides to see if he can score himself one of these positions. And so I'm like, okay. So I made up a resume. Autistic people generally don't like to lie, and I don't lie. But I can't tell people I'm 19, right? Because then they're going to be like, you got no experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do kind of have this Delphi program that everybody knows about. And I had written some articles for some magazines that got published as well. It got my name out there. So on the resume, I put working for this bank. I didn't say what I did. So I just let them assume I was doing software development. I wasn't. I was driving a truck. I was, <laughs> I was running paperwork around, right? Yeah, yeah. And But on the resume, I put, you know, I listed all the programming languages I knew because I've been programming at that point since I was, well, you know, for a long time. I've been teaching college students, okay? So I put on my resume, began programming in 1980. So it, it led people to believe I had 14 years programming experience, which wasn't unnecessarily no, true. No, no, um, And so I didn't think anything of it. I'm like, well, I'll keep working at the bank. And then I, get, I started getting phone calls. And they're like, uh, would you be willing to go to Texas for, for a few months? I'm like, $50 an hour? 
Yeah, I'll go to the moon if you want. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know? So after a quick phone interview, which he blitzes, Chad is then off to Texas the following week for a couple of months while his new bride stays in Pennsylvania. And so begins his life in computer software. Making quite the name for himself, he would move from company to company, from state to state, being headhunted for different roles in large firms across America. Until eventually, he would get himself a more permanent position in Tennessee. And that's where life at home started to change. Um, My wife got pregnant, and so our son was born in June 1996. And um, that's when things started getting weird. So we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, Chad's marriage would take a turn for the worst and start a chain of events that would eventually see him a wanted man. So he's in the house alone, so he picks up like, hey, cool, Dad, what's up, right? And um, he's like, guess what? I have news. And I'm like, okay, what? He's like, we're moving. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. If you're enjoying Wanted, be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening to us right now so you never miss an episode. And this is just some of what's still to come. They were America's most wanted fugitives. That is until Monday. I'm 43 years old. I was Central America's most sought after assassin, hitman, professional killer. And the woman sat there. She's looking at my passport. And eventually a couple of guys come over and they say, hey, can you come this way? And the guy just says to me, you know, America, Interpol, red, very bad. And I'm like, okay, shit's got real. I'm a wanderer of the soul before the end. Plan to behold, but I know I'll lose myself along the way. What's gone is gone, what's past is past. Let me leave what belongs in the past. 
So Chad, Nancy and their young son are living in Tennessee. Chad has a great job and is travelling a lot for work and he says all was well until one day he discovered that his wife had become extremely protective over their young son. So protective, in fact, that she would become extremely angry when Chad takes him to a local fair without her. But I remember one time there was a big grocery store in eastern Tennessee called Food City. Mm-hmm. And every year they had this big food fair. And it was just, it was, in the, it was in the nearby town, nearby city. It was actually in the city where I used to work. So it was like a 10 minute drive. He went one year, he was like, oh, I love it. So next year came along, he's like, dad, food fair, we gotta go. And Vecna didn't want to go. And he's like, I wanna go, I wanna go, I wanna go. So I'm like, okay, let's go. So I took him and she's like, you are not to take my son. I'm like, uh, hello, he's our son, right? So I took him. And we came back with bags of Twinkies and Ho-Hos and just everything because they were just giving it for free. Yeah. And she was standing at the door. She was standing. I mean, she was, how dare you take my child? And this was when I realized stuff was not right with her. Chad says that because Nancy didn't work, they were always together, running errands, grocery shopping, you name it. They did it as a family unit. So he said he'd never really experienced this possessiveness that Nancy seemed to have over their son. He says his relationship with Nancy had always seemed more like a friendship than a marriage. And eventually, Chad says around early 2001, he'd had enough and tells Nancy that he's moving out and straight into his brother-in-law's house. (laughs) Of all things, right? (laughs) I packed up my pickup truck, took what I could. I had no place to go because I'm like, listen, we got a kid, so you keep the house. house, We had two cars. They were fairly new. They were only a few years old. Um, I'm like, you keep a car. I'll keep the truck. You got your horses. I'll pay you alimony. I'll pay you child support. I make good money. Just take care of the kid and let me see him. That was all I really wanted, right? Yep, yep. That failed almost right away. So Chad is living with his brother-in-law and says that he had a fantastic relationship with his ex-wife's family. Eventually, he gets offered a job overseas. Having always wanted to live in Europe, he accepts the position. However, it seems this is where the relationship with him and his ex-wife would go horribly wrong. So I had the job opportunity, went overseas, went overseas, and I stayed overseas. And so the divorce got finalized. And then so the arrangement for visitation was I, whenever I came in the country, as long as I gave her like two weeks notice and it didn't interfere with schooling, that I'd have visitation. Mm-hmm. And well, first I had trouble phone calling. Even the phone calls were getting difficult. I would call and they would either never be there or she wouldn't let me talk to them. Or she'd pick up like, he's busy, he's eating, he's with friends. And he was just never there for me to talk on the phone. So it was already getting difficult. And I'm like, well, I'll just put up with it. I'll try. I got a visit coming up. And I'd show up and they wouldn't be home. So it got ugly from the very beginning. So Chad hops on a plane and he heads back to the US to try and rectify the visitation issues with his former wife. And they end up in mediation. And I remember going in and I just saying, listen, here's what I want. She's not abiding by this. And I just want her to basically abide by the visitation agreement. She's like, okay, leave the room. I'll talk to her separately. And after a few minutes, she said she called us in. She had Vecna leave. And she's like, listen, I'm going to do something that I've never, ever done in my career before. She says, your soon-to-be ex-wife is the most intransigent person I have ever met in my entire career. And I'm sending this straight back to the judge without any mediation because there is no mediation to be had. We got the divorce finalized and we tried and it was, again, visitation problems, visitation problems. She just kept this crap up. Chad's travelling back and forth between the US and Europe, constantly having issues trying to see his son. Until one day, things take a turn for the worse still, when in summer of 2004, around his son's eighth birthday, Chad tries to call him, 
something he says was always an issue. So I call and they would always leave on the answer machine so they could screen the call against me. And so I was like, hey, it's dad. If anybody's there, pick up. And so he's in the house alone. So he picks up like, hey, cool, dad, what's up? Right. And um, he's like, guess what? I have news. And I'm like, "Okay, what? He's like, we're moving. Try and put yourself in Chad's position right now. You're a parent involved in a very difficult separation always struggling to get visitations or even get your child on the phone. You live thousands of miles away in another country and eventually you get hold of them and they tell you that they're moving. I think in the spring of 2004, she had sent me a letter. She's like, well, I want to move. And so I'm like, okay, well, in principle, I agree. I'm just like, you know, if if it's something you want to do, Give me the details. Let's work it out ahead of time. Let's make sure everything transfers. Because in the U.S., all custody is state level. It's like 50 different countries. And so, but I'm like, in general, I'm like, well, I don't live in the U.S., so I'm flying in and out. It doesn't really matter to me. As long as you're generally near an airport, yeah. I'm cool with sure. that. That was it. Agreement in principle. No details, no specifics. So then I get this call, and he's like, we're moving. So now I'm like, no, something's wrong here. And I'm like, where are you moving to? He's like, we're moving to Cherry. And then I hear the door open. Get off the phone. Clunk. The front door is right by the phone and she hangs up on me. So now I'm calling back. I'm getting the answer machine. They're not answering. And all I know is they're moving and I don't know about it. In America, they, of course, have different states and each of those states has different laws. And if a parent of a child with shared custody wants to move out of a state, they must first give the courts 60 days notice of their intention to do so. This ensures that all visitation rights between the parents can be transferred over to the new state and, of course, remain intact. Well, Chad says his wife fails to do this, so he files an injunction. And the injunction did not say that she could not move. It did not say she could not move. All it said was she had to appear before the judge and give the details where she's moving and make sure where she's moving is okay Mm -hmm. and that if it's in a different state, that the uh, the court order be transferred, account for things like this. So what do you think she does? Now there's a court date. What do you think she does? Well, she doesn't show up to the court date. Not only does she not show up. She moves on the court date. She the house and she moves and does not tell me where she's moving to at all. I get a letter sent to my mother's house. She would send stuff to my mom's house and my mom would fax it to me saying that, oh, we've moved. I'm not going to tell you where. It's postmarked Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which is nowhere near where she actually moved. Mm. And if you want to contact me, use my mom's address. So I don't know where she's at at all, other than my son told me Cherry, and she's in a three-state region among a population of approximately 20 million people or 15. It's a lot of people. The irony of all of this is that before Chad would become a wanted fugitive being hunted by the FBI, he himself would be the hunter on the search for just exactly where his wife had disappeared to with their son. So now I'm having to pull up, like, you know, get my family to scan maps and fax them to me and find what maps I can on the internet. I'm trying to find Cherry. Mm. Any town with the word Cherry in it. Next time on Wanted. I'm a wanderer of the soul Before the end I plan to behold But I know I'll lose myself along the way What's gone is gone What's past is past Let me leave a blue
knows Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.